That's the sound of the arrest of Dr. Shikma Bressler, a world-renowned physicist who is also one of the top leaders of the grassroots protest against Israel's judicial overhaul. Bressler was arrested early Thursday during the nationwide Day of Paralysis, a day of ramped-up civil protest to which the police responded in kind. I met with Bressler at her Weizmann Institute office in Rehovod on Wednesday this week to hear how the co-founder of the Black Flags protest movement originally activated her activist gene. She also told me what she sees as the next steps in stepping up civil disobedience. With her mild, almost professorial manner, she explained that Israel is quickly nearing the point of no return, that things are much worse than most international observers can imagine. So we are in some sort of a civil uh, war. It's not, you know, the way that you imagine it, like big armies clashing in some uh, battlefields. During our lengthy conversation, Bressler also laughingly told me that three years ago in her initial protest against Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, she coined the chant, Demokratia. This week, we ask Dr. Shikma Bressler, what matters now? The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing, environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Shikma, thank you for letting me join you today at the Weizmann campus. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Such a pleasure. It's a beautiful day here after some winter rain and the skies are, well, still gray, but the grass is green and it's just a pleasure to be in such a nice atmosphere to talk about perhaps some things that are less nice. So Shikma, I ask you, what matters now? Maybe it will uh, sound a bit uh, dramatic, but what matters now is really to save the Israeli democracy, to save the state and nation of Israel. I, as part of my uh, you know, duties and job in Weizmann and being part of a huge uh, international collaboration, I do talk to many people from abroad. And what is clear to me is that people do not aware of the dramatic things that are happening these days in Israel. And the fact that if we will discuss it in a month from now, we could be already beyond the point of no return. What people need to take away out of this uh, conversation and not wait to the end of it is to understand that we are now, these days, 
are facing uh, a real coup in the sense that if we are not able to stop what is going on at the moment, in a couple of weeks, days maybe, uh, Israeli will no longer be a democracy. And then uh, once the point of no return has passed, it will take decades to get back from this point and maybe it will not even be possible. And I know it sounds dramatic, but it is dramatic. But this is the circumstances. This is what matters now. I think that people are not really digesting, fully digesting what is going on. And it is dramatic and it's happening now. Just to very, very briefly talk about how you, who you are, of course, just an internationally acclaimed physicist and mother of several, how did you just, just that, obviously, if that's not enough, how did you become active in the public sphere, in the grassroots protesting movement? So just to say, I've never been involved in any civil acts, uh, politics or whatever. I always cared. And as a family, uh, we always cared. And our uh, we became active uh, without planning that back in the, the first days of COVID in, in March 2020, actually uh, three years ago. And what happened back then is on top of all the mess, what was happening in one week, uh, the uh, Minister of Justice back then, Hana, decided to lock down, effectively lock down courts just a couple of days before Netanyahu trial was supposed to start. What a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, we were, I think, as far as I know, the only democratic and maybe even the only country uh, worldwide where courts were actually locked down uh, because of COVID. And then in the very same week, we were just after an election. And the first thing that has to happen after an election is that uh, the, the, the Knesset members has to elect new head for the parliament. And this uh, head of the parliament, which was Yuri um, Edelstein back then, refused to follow a decision made by our Supreme Court and, uh, and run an election. Surprisingly, Ariv Levin, who is now at the top of this uh, judicial uh, uh, overhaul, was telling him not to follow uh, the, the court decision. So effectively being doing criminal acts. At the very same week, out of three authorities, we found ourselves with effectively one. So the courts were down, the, the Knesset was down. If no uh, head for the parliament is elected, the committees of the parliament, whose role is to follow and, uh, and supervise decision-making by the government, were, were not formed. So there was no supervision whatsoever on the government decision. Netanyahu locked his own courts, and we were, we were there with just one authority uh, making decision on uh, what back then was thought to be a very dramatic and uh, uh, days. And we just, uh, you know, we sat at home and say, what's going on? I mean, our knowledge is based on primary school knowledge, basically. Or, uh, and we know that the entire Israeli democracy is relying on having the separation of power and the balance in between them. And we were out of, you know, no authorities, only one, nothing to balance on critical days. And, you know, back from history, this is exactly the conditions that you need in order to make a, a dramatic change. So we went out back then, basically calling uh, dem Democratia, which you can hear everywhere today. I'm proud to say that I made this call, <laughs> but back then. So it was from the first minute about democracy. It later changed into asking Netanyahu to leave uh, just because we understood there that he is basically the 
uh, the enabler of all of it. But what is going on today is even worse. Because of his uh, uh, criminal uh, trials, he uh, allowed uh, and gave a lot of power to the super extremist groups in Israel. So racist groups, um, fundamental ones who wants to make this uh, coup or this uh, revolution, if you want, judicial revolution, in order basically to to change the, you know, the, 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 the backbone of this country from something that in its spirit sings and discusses things like equality and freedom into something that doesn't have equality, the basic of it, to, to let it go. And what we see today is that many people understand that. They understand that it's going to affect them, that it's going to affect their, uh, you know, the way that they, uh, they see their future here. And what we see today is much broader than what we managed to do back then, simply because Maybe back then it was just a threat. This is why we went out, by the way, with black flags. It in Israel means a threat. You know, you put a black flag when the sea is um, is dangerous. So this is what we wanted to mark back then. But now we go out with with our own national flag, the the blue and white flag, just because we are really fighting for the core values uh, of this country, for everything that it means to us, and I think also to the world. And the danger is it's not a threat anymore because it's here. It's happening right now. They have the majority to do that, basically to change the entire nature, uh, the entire morals on which this country is based on, and to take it down a very, very, very dark road, uh, which we see in countries like Hungary, like uh, Poland, maybe Turkey, Iran. This is what we are facing. It's not a joke. It's not dramatic. It's not just to make, you know... Uh, you know, to attract your attentions over there. But it really is what is going on, and this is what, what we are fighting against. Okay, when you first began to protest, though, you say you, and I know it's also your brothers uh, who helped found the Black Flag movement, but you can't just think, ugh, this is bad, I'll go out to the street, and then suddenly hundreds and then thousands and then hundreds and thousands will appear. There has to be some kind of mechanism of getting the word out. How did it spread? What was the what was the wildfire that spread? So, you know, thinking of that after it happened, like two years when, when uh, you know, when the previous government was formed, we basically closed all of our activities. We were happy to go back to our own, uh, you know, normal life because uh, we were out just to make a change. Change happened and, and so on. And then at that point in time, I, you know, I was thinking how really, as you said, how did we manage? And I think that what was really happening is that because... If people like us, who were so not involved, so non-activist, felt that they have to do something, it just represents the feeling of many, many, many people, and they simply joined, they just uh, needed or looked for someone to say, you know, come, and they, they came. So uh, we found ourselves calling on first to a convey to the Knesset, so to bring back the wind of change into the Knesset, this I think was what we said. And uh, we, I, I, my brother recorded a short selfie movie asking people to join a convoy to the Knesset. I, I recorded something similar and then it just, you know, it, it, it runs out and becomes viral really, really fast. And the next day when we actually went to the convoy, there were thousands of cars already there. And then, yes, then we, we understood that we know nothing about activism, 
But I think that maybe the, the wisest decision that we made was to, you know, embrace the fact that we don't know anything about activism and, and ask and get the experience of those who does. And they immediately joined. This was amazing. All of them immediately joined. So we, in an instant, we had an organization. We knew that we need to be, that we need to be, you know, to, for instance, have someone who will represent us. To the media we need to have some lawyer will take care of the decisions we're making that they are legal and so on and that we need to and that we need to build some logistics so that uh, people can actually join and this is how it, uh, it evolved and uh, as i said when when bennett and lapid government was formed we closed everything all the activities we just kept the the whatsapp groups basically alive not active but alive And now when, when the recent government was formed, by the way, in the beginning, nothing was happening. I mean, we didn't do anything because if you look back at what Netanyahu said when he formed the government, what will be the four points that they are going to tackle, nothing was said about uh, judicial, uh, they want to call it reform, but I, I cannot call it a judicial reform, but really a, a coup. And uh, only a couple of days later, Levin, the Minister of Justice came up with this plan And then it, you know, it just shook us uh, all apart. Um, the um, president of the Supreme Court, Hayut, gave, uh, I think, a, a, a mind-blowing speech about the, the essence of what they are proposing and what it actually means. And then you start getting tons of tons of different groups understanding that this is going to affect them. And what was nice is that based on the experience that we gained In the first iteration, we knew very fast there were people knowing. I wasn't um, one of those who led that at the beginning. I'm, I'm in it now. But really fast, we understood that, okay, if groups are about to become active, they will need assistance. They will need some sort of... Uh, Of a, of a structure to, to support them financially, to support them against uh, when, when, when going to the media, to all the logistics and all the, I don't know, graphics, media and so on. So, so it was formed based on the knowledge gained in the first iteration. And, and now we have this, uh, this headquarters that actually gives support to all the different groups, not telling them not giving content, but provided that they are fighting for the same morals, the same democratic ideas, then we are uh, giving them basically any anything that they need in order to be effective. So you are part of this headquarters as well? Yeah. Correct. Okay, so in the headquarters, how many different groups uh, are there? Over a hundred. <laughs> there are Many. over a hundred people in the headquarters. No, over, the so the headquarters has its, I don't know, like board. <laughs> right. And then there are all the parts, the things that all the facilities that we provide, facilitate. And then there are the different groups that get supports out of this headquarters. And then there are more than hundreds uh, groups. So how many are on the board itself? Uh, it's also changing around the eight, maybe six to eight people. Okay. But it's not a decision making board in the sense that it's not the management, right? It's a board. <laughs> And the, and the groups themselves are those who call to actions. And of course, it's easier for them to call to action when they know that their call will be, um, will be spread around and whatever they need will be provided. So it's very well organized in this respect, but not managed which is a big difference. This is a huge thing to get across actually to our, our listeners because 
I think so many people abroad just feel like, oh, the opposition in the Knesset is probably the one who's behind all of these protests. But no, it is the people. So explain a little bit more about how it's the people. It's even more than that. It's not the standout organization in the sense that you take, uh, for instance, I don't know, doctors, medical doctors have their own social union, but the union itself is not part of the protest, but it's a grassroots of some doctors deciding to do something, sending around the call for the others, building the, the groups from the bottom. It's not the unions that are active. The unions, many of them are actually controlled by the Likud party for you know, huge, I want, if I say bribery, I'm putting myself at risk. So I won't call this bribery a bribery, but it is to some extent something like that. So, but what you're saying essentially is that individual doctors are using their social network that they've built as being part of different associations, etc., exactly. and reaching out, and then what? To the majority of the doctors. And then they do some act, right? So they want to run some sort of a protest. So usually first they do something, maybe write a letter, send it to the press, and then from that point on, what we understood in the headquarters thing or the people who came up with the idea of establishing this headquarters is that, fine, so they have a group. How can they manage to be active? How, how can they uh, be effective? Leveraged. Leveraged, exactly. So this is what we, we try to assist with. Some groups are more, uh, you know, organized. Some groups have more um, facilities on their own, like the high-tech groups. So they obviously doesn't have have smaller problems related to money and uh, and uh, so so each group depending on on its need uh, is being supported but many people you know when we call out, when we call out tomorrow for instance we have the first day of uh, I don't know how to call it but we call it hit uh, nagdut or uh, sir, um, I think this week you called it uh, a day of uh, strike she took she took paralysis is a, we yeah, could call it something like that we Every want to shut down a different brand i think yes yeah. we try to keep it interesting to to the public and to the to the uh, to the press but anyhow so you start by calling to do that and then what you see amazingly is how people you know lead their own ideas, their own close friends to do something. So I think that the headquarters uh, maybe we support all of that, but we are not organizing any of it, maybe a couple of activities just to set the basic uh, principle. And then you get more than 200 different uh, individual places where actions are being taken. Another amazing example is uh, is groups of uh, of kids and their parents striking in the in the high in schools, uh, um, primary schools, high schools, and so on, just for the same. But and they they are organized on their own. Once they were there, they needed some uh, posters and so on. So this week would assist with, but the the, the motivation the is really 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 a grassroots uh, as you said all over the country you have to understand from north really the northest point in israel to Eilat, which is the uh, southest one um different uh, it's not even about uh the political i would call it i think that when i try to structure it for myself also thinking for the future one thing that needs to be understood is that what divides the watershed, let's say, that splits our political system, our uh, our uh, Knesset, and the watershed that is being now drawn 
by the people in the streets are completely different things. What Netanyahu managed to do in the last year was to somehow pull the entire political system to a certain watershed, uh, separating between maybe right and, and left wings, this kind of terminology. What we see in this, they try to, by the way, keep saying that. They try to say that the protest is, uh, is of the other side. It's the they protest and not us. But if you go and look at the details of the people who are there, so they are uh, holding right and, right and left wings uh, um, ideologies. They come from literally all over the countries with some points which are of course weaker for, for clear reasons, but it's not, uh, it's, it's a completely new, uh, I think that, that the protest is defining a complete, you know, is drawing a complete different shed, uh, watershed. And uh, I really hope that at some point the political system will also, you know, adapt this shed. And it's going to be a huge struggle because the current political uh, system, I mean, the, the fact that it, uh, the, it is torn and split in between the, this right and wing or we, us and them, is really in favor of what Netanyahu is trying to do. But the people of Israel is completely different. This is why, for instance, if you look at the polls of what would be the result of an election today, you will see that the change is there, but it's not very massive. On the other hand, if you ask people directly whether they are support this judicial reform, then you will see that very, very small uh, minority is actually supporting that. So this revolution thing, this uh, protest concept are not yet translated into the political uh, the political debate but uh, but it's there it's completely different and we are uh, I, I hope that we win <laughs> and then that we will be able to leverage that into something that will change really uh, the way that the country is you know is is, uh, is running and will not be torn apart anymore for the wrong thing as I was doing in the last uh, decade. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning, without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. How could you, just to play devil's advocate, how could you possibly win? The government coalition will pass the overhaul bills because it can. It's in power. It will do that. So what is a win for you? So first of all, 
to some extent, we are already a winning. Maybe we are winning a battle, but not the entire war. But you have to understand that they try. If you look at the, um, the changes that Orban did in Hungary in the last decade, And you and you make the and you and you compare it to what is being done here. They try to do what Orban did in a decade in Hungary to do here in two months. As I said, it's not just one law that they are trying to pass, but it's more than 120 laws that are being really uh, ambushed <laughs> on on us. And this will probably not happen the way that they want. They thought that they are going to, you know, uh, to do this legislation and, and they will be done with it in, in no time, no no uh, defense. And uh, now they need to change that. So they are calling back a lot of their, uh, their uh, thing and only focusing on this committee for the election of, of judges, which is the core thing. If you go back again to Hungary, you will see that this is how Orban started by taking control over the judicial uh, or the the, the 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 courts and the judges so they are focusing on that what is likely to happen is that as you said they will pass the law because they do have uh, a very stable uh, majority in the parliament but but what needs to be remembered that is that uh, that in a democratic countries and as long as this law did not pass israel is still a democracy a democracy then the, the parliament or the government gets its legitimacy from the people. And what this uh, protest is showing is that uh, the people of Israel, a vast majority of them, if you look at the polls again, it's more than 70% who do not support the judicial overhaul the way it is being uh, done right now. What we are showing on the streets is that we do not, uh, that, that, that these uh, acts taken by our government are not legitimate on us. And this should give the strength and the, the courage, let's say, to the remaining gatekeepers to do their job. So what we hope will happen, what should happen, is that if they pass those laws, then the Supreme Court will somehow deny them. They have the ability to do that. And then... By the way, our uh, Minister of Justice already said that he will not follow the Supreme Court decision if they uh, deny the rules, meaning he's uh, effectively saying that he is going to be not following the, the rules. Breaking the law. To breaking the law, chaos. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So we call it constitutional uh, clash or whatever, constitutional crisis. But what it actually means is that the government do not follow the law. I mean, they deny the law, they becoming criminal, active criminals. And what should happen then is that the um, all the security system, police, army, secret services should stand by the law because this is their mandate to stay by, stand by the law. And if we will be in the streets, if the people will show that we stand by our own laws, then uh, we should win it this way. The, the, the bureaucratic part of it, how it actually managed, I mean, it will be the first time for us, so I have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, but this should be, this is the only outcome that I see yeah, possible out of this crisis. The protests are getting increasingly violent uh, reactions, both from the police and from counter-protesters. What you're describing sounds like a civil war. So there are threats for that. I want to say, um, so I think that we have been, we, I mean the democratic uh, people, those who, you know, thinks of freedom, thinks of civil human rights as, you know, morals that was fighting for. We have been quiet for too many years. 
And we have allowed the non-democratic part, the, the fascists, the, the, I mean, the, it was a separate podcast to discuss how did this thing actually grew up in, in Israel and become the monster that it is right now. But uh, so they are becoming violent, by the way, the protesters, none of them, even though we have been, you know, defined by our own prime minister and his son as terrorists, as anarchists, mm-hmm. even though, you know, we ask, I mean, they are not following the, the laws and the decision of the Supreme Court and they call us anarchists. It's just, uh, you know, changing uh, or turning upside down the, the meaning of this word whatever any other words that you can imagine we have been blamed on but it doesn't work for them it doesn't stop us from moving forward it doesn't stop new people from joining and uh, yeah and I think that as you say the next step the, 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 the tool that they are left with is violence I hope it will not go there, but I have to say that I'm not certain. I mean, you see tons of attack, uh, people uh, running over really with the cars to 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 hurt people. Uh, uh, we we have tons of people from the protest reporting that they walk around with the Israeli flags and the flag is being uh, taken away violently from them. They are being surrounded by a group of uh, people who wear masks to, to hide their identities. So we are... In some sort of a civil uh, war it's not you know the way that you imagine it like big armies clashing in some uh, f- battlefields but it is you feel like we are in the civil war right now we are how would you call it right being a uh, attacked by other but uh, I have to say that what we we do understand is that we have against that we cannot take our uh, you know we cannot take our head down we have to look straight move forward and win this thing again non-violent we are not violent but but we understand who we are facing and uh, and uh, and we have to win that so let's suppose that the judicial appointments bill goes through and that the supreme court does not say that it is not democratic meaning it goes through the supreme court restrains itself and does not act what then So I think that if, as I said, if these uh, laws will pass, uh, by definition, uh, the Israeli court system will be underneath the political system, the government. By definition, it's not a democracy, a democracy anymore. Uh, and then we will have to, you know, we will wake up one day for something completely different than what we were used to. I think that then then what we will see here is that the, the country conditions fall, you know, the, goes down quickly. You, you, we, we heard yesterday uh, large groups from the uh, reserve army unit saying that if this happens, they will not, uh, they will not, serve. they will not serve a dictatorship. They will only, we are here, we all took our oath to protect a democratic, a Jewish democratic country and not a dictator. I think that uh, we see it already. We will be affected economically very dramatically. We'll be affected basically in every aspect. It may not be happening in one day, but uh, but again, if you look at countries that went down this road, their condition, and then it will be a huge and a long battle, which will, uh, which you know, we will all be losing. But uh, but it will be it will be awful. It will be awful. You're a physicist, so forgive me for this, but a body in motion stays in motion, right? And the current trend of the legislation of what is going to be passed in the future seems pretty clear. Do you really think that 
the protests are enough to stop that body in motion? No, I think it was said nicely by Yuval, Professor Yuval Noah Harari in one of those days. You cannot stop that and you, we cannot go back to what was happening, you know, before they started. We cannot, be, we cannot go back to November 8th when, when Levine came, I think it was November 8th when he came up with this. Uh, but so in any case, this body is in motion. And now it's on us to decide whether this motion will take us to a much stronger democracy or to a dictatorship or some sort of a dictatorship. So we are not going to stop that, but it's on us. You know, if you imagine a huge uh, train, then, you know, you can change the which, which, which uh, track it's going to, to capture. And sometimes it's a very small, it's a very small movement, like, uh, and, and, and it's on us to make sure that it goes in the right direction. We should, the optimistic side, if, if I can, uh, you know, you cannot run uh, a protest if you don't believe that you're going to succeed, right? What will take you out? So I, I do think that we are going to succeed and we will be able to change, turn the course of uh, life such that we will take the right track. And out of that, we can come up with much stronger democratic. One of the things that we should be aiming at is, uh, is a decent, uh, a real constitution that defines the, the roots of this country. So I think that we understand better the problem, but to fix it is going to be so hard. And if we don't manage to prevent this uh, coup from happening, then, uh, then it will be even much, 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 much harder. Many, many people are curious how the, the protest movement is so uh, well-funded. It appears to be well-funded. Yeah, yeah, there, clearly. There are beautiful flags, pristine flags, every, every protest and buses and all sorts of, it takes real money to, to put on a, a real principled protest. So where's this money coming from? So it's it's amazing, but the awakening that you see from the people is also reflected into uh, raising funds for it. So, for instance, we opened uh, um, a platform. We are using a platform for geosamonim uh, for uh, fundraising for fundraising from the public, and it already uh, raised uh, I think close to ten million shekels. And this is only the one which is visible because it goes through Be Active platform, and we have a similar platform. Which which got, we just spread over WhatsApp, which raised a similar amount. And then there are also people who vote. And, and the, if you look at it, we have tens of thousands of people who actually donated. So these are not huge amount. It's not a person who put uh, many million into it, but, uh, but much, much smaller uh, funds. And then we also have some bigger uh, people who donate larger amount of money because they are uh, high tech people who has the money and they, and they understand the importance. And they are people who want to promote a, a liberal and democratic idea. So we also have that the vast majority of the money comes from donors in Israel. More than half of it, I think, is from this uh, smaller, much smaller amount. And people really are there. I mean, um, and they understand. I think that people, as you said, I mean, it's clear that flags cost money, that building a stage in the Kaplan Street with tons of screens and sound. Uh, and sound yeah, yeah, this, this is super, super costly. People understand that. And they are, I mean, we are here to to win. So winning part of it is also, is also spending money. <laughs> so now that you have all this money coming in, you must have to face uh, all sorts of issues such as, how do we avoid corruption? How how do we be as transparent as possible so we don't fall into the traps that we're fighting against? 
So I'm, I'm happy to say, I'm pleased to say, I'm proud to say that we are not there. So the money goes into, we have this Amuta, we call it in Hebrew, uh, and all non, the money uh, goes... Non-profit? Yeah. All the money goes through this uh, place because you, you need to have a bank account and you need to have someone who is following it and regulate that and it has to be uh, uh, visible. Mm-hmm. Transparent. Uh, transparent, yeah, thanks. And uh, so, so it is there. You can find all the details. We, we report as we are and we need to report when having that. And uh, really all the money as uh, it goes into that is being donated is used for that. It's even more than that since, as I said, there are tons of different groups So sometimes people donate money for specific groups activities. So this money is earmarked for the activities of that specific specific group and it is used for that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm proud to say that we are there. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think that what you see out now is really the, the, the amazing faces of Israel as, as, uh, as I think that in the recent uh, years, I mean, you know about a lot of uh, that, for instance, the Jewish communities in North America, for instance, some of them are looking with uh, like with bad eye on what is going on here in the last decade. I think it because the people that are now in the streets, we were really quiet. We were, uh, you know, putting our head down, just hoping that it will end. And what you see right now is really what you you had in your uh, thoughts about what Israel is. Is all about and you see the beautiful faces of Israel and you see that it is really the majority of the people so I'm not ignoring the fact that we do have uh, fundamentalist groups and racist here but the majority of the people here are fighting now also someone a, a, a friend from from uh, Silicon Valley I hope I can call her a friend she told me well it's a good opportunity for us to to be united again as uh, to, to take Israel as the 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 country of the Jewish nation as a whole I, I kind of think it is correct because what people should be seeing right now when they come and look into the protesters is all the things that we ever thought about the the you know the beautiful faces of this country and 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 it's amazing you're organized you're funded you have many many activists in the streets and Why not take it to the next level and enter politics and help the Knesset or guide the Knesset, move that body that's in motion, slightly tap it and give it back the chance of going to the center? First of all, we, we do not anticipate elections anytime soon. This is one thing that needs to be understood. As I said, there is a huge gap right now uh, between the... Maybe I'm repeating this word, this term too many times, but uh, you know, there is a huge gap between the political uh, watershed and the, and the uh, protest watershed. And it's not going to be, this is one thing that should be understood, it's going to be super hard to, uh, to, to win the fights that will take the right watershed up. We are facing, uh, we call it here a poisoning machine. that works super, super efficient, efficiently on all the, 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 the news, the media, the social media. So the things that are clear to me, to make them clearer and to let them propagate, uh, we, are, you know, we are behind by more than a decade on what the, the other side did, what Netanyahu did here in the last decade. And this is something that you know, has to be understood. So it may take a long time for what's happening now in the street to reflect into the political system. 
And I think that these days are dramatic because if we fail to prevent this rebellion from happening, uh, this coup from happening, we will not have, we will not be able to even try to change it. Because if the country goes in the uh, dictatorship road, people like me will not be able to sit here like you <laughs> and talk. I mean, it's, it's almost unbelievable. I don't believe that this is going to happen had we fail. But if you look at what happened to academia people, journalists, and judicial system in places like Hungary and Turkey and Poland, this is the meaning of that. Now I'm saying that it sounds to me, I'm, I'm not even you know, connected, <laughs> emotionally connected to this statement. But if you do it uh, very realistically, and uh, so, so this is, this is the, the, the concern. And um, yeah, so if and if we manage to prevent it, we still have huge way to go, <laughs> huge way to go. I do hope that uh, people that are now active will not, you know, disappear and get back to their own life the minute after. This is what happened to us in the previous round. We, we should somehow uh, take leverage out of it and into later on to politics somehow. But not yet is what you're saying. I'm saying that right now the, the problem is that if you, this is again my own interpretation if you jump into the political uh, uh, system and establish a government uh, establish sorry a, a party by definition you are losing the support you're because no longer the people the grassroots the you are no longer the grassroots and you are no longer because because politicians need to at the end take decisions and there are you know there are real uh, things that we are divided upon but in the in the protest i can i'm together with people who had different opinions than me on how the future of Israel should look like in terms of uh, religious and uh, you know and citizenship now we are totally united because it's the discussion of how conversation and decision should be taken in our country in the future. It's not about making a decision of what it is. And, and this is a, a completely different level of, uh, of discussion. And politics, I think, is that to either, either that we manage to make the politics deal with what we are dealing in, which will be the ideal, or that we first fix everything and then we go back fighting <laughs> against and arguing again about, you know, how to, to structure the, you know, how to deal with the core problems of this country. Shikma, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I won't take up any more of your precious time and I really, really appreciate everything you explained here. Thank you so much. Again, I'll end with the same words that I started with. Please be aware that we are going through dramatic days and it's not a movie <laughs> it's our own life we ourselves do not even believe that we have to fight for our freedom for our democracy but this is what going on take example of hungary what you know about hungary i think poland turkey iran it's the same track we did not invent anything it's all the book is already written <laughs> actually two books are already written let's make sure that our history will be the the book that has a, a happy ending <laughs> not a and not a sad one i mean after i ended our conversation and pressed stop on the recording i told shikma that while her prediction for the future is dire I'm impressed by her evident optimism that it will be averted. She laughed and quoted her mother saying that optimists and pessimists end up in the same place, so why not be optimistic? This podcast was produced and edited by The Pod Waves. Thanks as always to my podcast partner, Jessica Steinberg. Special thanks to political correspondent Tal Schneider for connecting me with Shikma Bressler. 
A deep bow to Mick Weinstein for his ever-sensible input. Have a comment about this or other episodes of What Matters Now? Email us at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Look for more What Matters Now episodes and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.